0: you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Luke chapter 2. I know the verses will also be on the screen this morning as we partake, uh, but Luke chapter 2 will be the text that we're going to be looking at. And the children sang uh, from this text, and, and some of it also was uh, mentioned earlier as they were quoting in Luke chapter 2. And I wanted to just kind of um, ask a question to begin this morning. What comes to your mind when you think of the word joy? If you were to ask, what does joy mean to you? I think we'd all have different answers that probably come to mind right away. What if I were to add the word great to that equation? Instead of just joy, great joy. Would your definition slightly change? Would it be something like great delight, great pleasure, great excitement? You see, the way that many of us define joy is more like happiness. And so we confuse the two many times in our culture. Uh, Many confuse joy with happiness and are always left with more to be desired. Many of us have heard the song, and the the children just sang it this morning, joy to the world. And we especially heard the word joy emphasized during the holiday season. But how many of us have taken it by the actual phrase that Luke chapter 2 spells out? the good tidings of great joy. The arrival of the Son of God to earth was more than just a cute story about a baby boy born in a manger. It was news that brought great joy to the world because of Messiah who would one day pay for sin. Today, we'll be looking at a few things here in Luke to help us see clearly what it is this news that should bring us all great joy. We'll be looking at three things specifically in the text in chapter 2. Number 1, the audience, verses 8 through 9. Number 2, the message, verses 10 through 14. And number 3, the reaction, verses 15 through 20. Let's start with number 1, the audience, verses 8 through 9. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. You see, if we read earlier in the chapter, in chapter 2 of Luke, Jesus is born in Bethlehem due to the census conducted, which required each family to return to their place of origin. In Joseph's case, being of the line of David, it would have been in Bethlehem. We don't exactly know how long they were in Bethlehem before Mary had her firstborn, but it was a short time that they were there before Jesus was delivered we do know that she gave birth to Jesus in what amounts to a cave or a place where animals were feeding as she laid him in a manger or a feeding trough for animals. It's in this context that we see the birth of Christ brings good tidings of great joy. The angel of the Lord came to deliver the wonderful news to these shepherds. The shepherds, those that cared for sheep, the just regular average folks that had a job, They did what all of us do, work their job every single day. Theirs was taking care of sheep, just watching sheep day in, day out, nothing too thrilling, nothing too exciting, just the daily grind, making sure to protect if bears and wolves came along. What is interesting, though, is that in this message, what's conveyed to them and to us is a connection particularly to these shepherds here's some neat insights from the audience that's mentioned here first of all we find out that shepherds really were of a low reputation in society they weren't the upper class they were probably lower middle-class if if not lower uh, in society these shepherds were going about doing what they always did they got up each morning did the ordinary tasks that many times god requires of all of us Uh, we wake up we do Uh, what we do as a job these shepherds were not on a special crusade for god or performing a special ritual they were simply doing what they always did caring for sheep they were protecting them nourishing them i just want to make note of this some of the greatest moments in your life can come from the most ordinary task let me say that again some of the most greatest moments in your life can come from the most ordinary task You see, most of us are looking for the big things all the time to happen. When many times what happens is God shows up in the everyday, mundane part of our lives. They did what they always did. Jesus identifies with these shepherds because he cares for his sheep. He goes even further and states that he gave his life for his sheep. In fact, John 10 10 through 12 says this This is Jesus speaking. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. You see, the reality is so many of us are wondering who actually cares for us. There is one that cares. The good shepherd. By the way, Jesus is the real deal. He's genuine. People, they'll mess up. And we constantly mess up. And we will fail you continually. Because we are all made of the same thing. We're sinners by birth. The thief is exemplary of impostures or fakes that pretend to care. And that's anyone from Satan himself to people who fake it extorting others. We see a lot of that going on in in many circles today where people take advantage of others to only benefit themselves. Well, Jesus laid his life down for us. He didn't ask us to do something for him. He did it for us. These shepherds see the angel of the Lord and are absolutely terrified at first. I'm sure if you had your ordinary day and all of a sudden you saw a crowd or host of angels, you'd probably freak out too. Wouldn't be your typical day. But this is because they hadn't heard this message that the angel was proclaiming to them. Something that was incredible. A host of angels shining shining brightly right before them. A truth so incredible that they would only know because God decided to send angels to them to hear this good news. In fact, here's what's amazing. God sent a star for the wise men. But he sent a host of angels to shepherds no one would have cared to share the news with them originally they would have been the last people that the politicians would have probably tried to speak to because they would not really have a benefit to them in their role listen to what one author says about this Christmas is telling you that you could never get to heaven on your own God had to come to you so we've looked at the audience let's let's look at the actual message itself number two the message Verses 10 through 14. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. One of the first things the angel does as he shows up is to assure the shepherds to not be afraid. First thing he does is, listen, do not be afraid. I'm here to bring you good news right now. The angel's delivering them the good news, the gospel, if you will, of great joy. This is not just some joyous occasion. This was the moment of great joy to be experienced by not only these shepherds, but for all people. What was this good news or tidings of great joy? Let's break it down. Well, first of all, we see this day. They no longer needed to wait any longer as there was no more prophecy that needed to be fulfilled regarding Emmanuel. God had come to earth. It was in the city of David. A little background of that. David was a shepherd boy himself. Before God raised him up to be king. David also refers to the Lord as his shepherd. Most of us are familiar with this when we, we attend funerals, right? Psalm 23 is quoted. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus is the good shepherd who cares his sheep which is what's incredible about david's psalm that we quote all the time it connects us to the lord jesus himself a savior the deliverer is here the one who saves has come the one who will one day present us faultless because of what he has done christ the lord that means messiah god the anointed of god the one with power and supreme authority Because he will offer himself as the perfect atonement for man. The shepherds were given this incredible message that was not only for them, but also for all people. This was given to them to spread the message. That is what all disciples of Jesus are called to do. Jesus is the Savior for all people. He came to bring peace between God and man. As the angels declared here in verse 14, glory to God in the highest... And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. You see, God's shalom, the inclusion of all his blessings, not just the stay of hostility, was here. God has not only sent his son to forgive sins and bring about peace between him and mankind, he sent Messiah to bestow favor on those who have peace with him through his son, Jesus Christ. Look at this amazing promise that Jude reiterates to all that believe on the name of Jesus. In Jude chapter 1, it's a one-chapter book, verses 24 through 25, we read the following. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. You see, what's amazing about the gospel message is that we can't do enough to please God. Jesus does all the work. The only part we play is the sin that he needed to save us from. That's why we need to turn to him in faith and repentance. This message was given to the shepherds to appreciate for themselves. God shows favor towards them as lowly, undeserving shepherds. But it was also given to them to share with others. That's why the gospel message should never stop with us. It should always go forth to other people. So let's look at their reaction. How do they react to all of this? Number three, the reaction, verses 15 through 20. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. You see, as the angels went away from them to heaven, the shepherds didn't even wait. They booked it to where they were told to go. They didn't have a long discussion. I don't know. Do you think we should go? It says they made haste. They went right away. Let's go. Let's see what the angel just told us about. Let's experience it for ourselves. Let's go to Bethlehem. After seeing Jesus, Mary and Joseph, they began telling everyone they met about what they had seen and heard. You see, people were stunned by what the shepherds were telling them. Could you imagine that narrative? So yeah, we're sitting there watching the sheep. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, angel appears, tells us this great news of a Messiah that's born. And we got to go see him for ourselves we went and visited the shepherds went back to what they were doing but they never got over what they had seen and heard a couple important points here this message was delivered to the shepherds directly by the angel of the Lord by the way God uses messengers to send us the gospel message it could be a coworker, a friend a family member there's always someone that God sends to give us the good news. Listen to this warning from Spurgeon regarding the gospel message. The hearing of the gospel involves the hearer in responsibility. It is a great privilege to hear the gospel. You may smile and think there's nothing very great in it. The damned in hell know. Oh, what they would give if they could hear the gospel now. If they could come back and entertain but the shadow of a hope that they might escape from the wrath to come. The saved in heaven estimate this privilege at a high rate, for having obtained salvation through the preaching of this gospel, they can never cease to bless their God for calling them by his word of truth. Oh, that you knew it, on your dying beds, the listening to a gospel sermon will seem another thing than it seems now. You see, the truth is, with the gospel message being good news, there's also bad news, because we're born in our sins. And that is what God calls us to repent of, is turn from our sins to Christ. Don't wait to respond to the gospel message that Jesus has come to save us. He came to save us from our sin. Turn from your sin and believe the gospel. The second thing that we note here is the shepherds needed to see Jesus before sharing him with others. I mean, that should be a common thing for all of us to understand here. It's one thing to hear the good news, but it's a whole other thing to see for yourself to experience who Jesus is and what he's done. It won't mean all that much to share him with others if we haven't trusted the gospel ourselves. It won't be good news unless it's something that stirred your heart, caused you to humbly bow before God, acknowledge your sin, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You see, the message of good news Or the good news of great joy that the shepherds received was not just for them. It was for all disciples that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, including those that saw him after he died on their behalf and was buried. They experienced the risen Christ. The shepherds experienced the birth of Christ. The disciples experienced the risen Christ. In fact, those women received the good news of the resurrection of Jesus, which is the ultimate fulfillment of his coming to earth and conquering sin and death. You see, the Christmas story is more than just about a baby in a manger and a nice sentimental feeling. It's about a Savior King who came and humbled himself, obeyed the Father's will. These women left the tomb with great joy, and as they're leaving, they encounter the resurrected Christ who tells them to rejoice. They went out and told others, And by the way, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you should be telling others. I don't know why so many of us don't. To not tell the good news is to minimize what's been done for you and me. This is why we want you to hear this good news. Joy is found in the face of Christ. The difference between happiness and joy is essentially in that happiness is normally an emotional response to our circumstances, The circumstances in our lives or things on the outside of us whereas joy is in an internal relational connection to the giver of joy God himself that is why a disciple of Christ can endure difficulties in this life from broken relationships to a loss of a job loss of a family member financial trouble and still find joy internal gratitude if you will because they found all they need in Christ It's truly a sad experience when a disciple of Jesus longs to be happy but forgets the giver of joy. And too many Christians are pursuing the wrong thing. I I love you, Lord. Thank you so much for saving me, but I'm going to go pursue my own happiness. The only real joy you'll ever find is in Christ. That's for all of us, whether we know Christ or don't. It is not as if a believer is excited about going through difficulties. When we talk about joy, it doesn't mean that Christians, when we go through hard times in their life, woohoo! I'm so glad. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is that we are satisfied in how good God has been to us, even though we're undeserving. Because the truth is, what Jesus went through for us, many of us can't even fathom. David really captured what joy looks like well in his psalms. In Psalm 511, he says, But let all those who rejoice, who put their trust in you, let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. Joy is found in putting our trust in God himself. In fact, Jesus came of the line of David as a savior for both Jews and Gentiles. And you may be here, and you kind of struggle with the concept of joy, because you really don't feel close to God. Maybe you've been a rebellion against Him. Maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. David wrote the following after sinning grievously against God. And by the way, David sinned in ways that many of us today would be just shocked and stunned by. He murdered a man and committed adultery with his wife, something all believers do, by the way, is sin. We still sin. If you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, don't be shocked by the fact that we're sinners. We are. We're only called saints because of Christ, what he's done. David, when confronted, though, responded differently than many of us do. He owned his sin and repented. There's a huge difference between being a sinner and recognizing and doing something about it and knowing you're a sinner and just continuing. He wrote the following in a sincere prayer before God. And by the way, I would encourage you to read the whole chapter if you have the time. In Psalm 51, we're just going to focus on verses 11 through 13. This is David speaking to God after he's called out for his sin and repents. He says, do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. You see, what David realized is he wasn't really experiencing joy because he wasn't connected to his God. In fact, a joyless Christian is a Holy Spirit quenching Christian. One who is miserable and not able to lead others to God. So many of us are not what we should be. And that is why we need grace once again. You see, the Christian life is a lot of ups and downs because our performance doesn't measure up to what God calls us to. And the reality is, every one of us needs the gospel message repeated to ourselves every day. Not just the first time we hear it and accept If you're wondering about Christ, look past the hypocrisy you'll find in many of us, because you will find it. Know that he is the spotless lamb that was slain on our behalf. The greatest joy that we can have this Christmas as followers of Jesus, beyond our own salvation, is seeing others come to know him as Savior and Lord. Paul makes this statement to the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 through 20. Listen to what he says. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. You see, Paul was overjoyed that one day these believers would also stand before Christ with him. You see how our joy is connected in our relationship with God when others know him as well? The greatest gift given to us is Christ. And for others to know him allows them to enjoy this very gift that's brought us joy. It doesn't mean we don't take care of business here and working our jobs and caring for our families. That's not what we're talking about. We're not saying we're waiting for Jesus and we just get to chill and do nothing on this earth. That's not what we're talking about. What we are saying is, Jesus, who's given us joy, we want you to experience that as well if you don't know Jesus. We want you to, to have that joy you see these these shepherds went back to what they were doing but as we mentioned earlier they never got over what they experienced and that was the coming of Christ they praised God for that you and I should never get over the coming of Messiah and the great joy that he brings listen stop making it about the stuff we all do it every year it's about the stuff If Christmas is Christmas, it ought to be Christmas with Christ. He's the center. He's the reason. Even for the cliche statements, reason for the season, He is. Let's not make it about anything else ultimately but Him. We should give gifts to one another. We should rejoice with one another. We should be glad to be around family and friends. But Christmas is about Christ. Give freely to others. Because he's given so much for you and me. Believers, we ought to be giving people. We ought to be gracious people. So in closing, I want to ask you this. Does Christmas bring you great joy? Does Christmas bring you great joy? Oh, you may be singing joy to the world, but maybe you've never experienced what this great joy is. Jesus has come for us, undeserving sinful man. God decided to share this message with the shepherds first. He shared it also with the wise men. But God, but God doesn't care who you are and where you come from. You can be rich or poor. It doesn't matter what your background is. Jesus is the Savior of all. If you've not experienced this great joy or great delight... The news that the shepherds received back then, you can still experience it for yourself today. Bowing before the king who was born to take away our sin. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Simply trust what he's done on your behalf. If you've done that, please let us know. Talk to us. We'd love to share Jesus with you. We would love to rejoice with you if this is The Christmas that you made Christ king and lord of your life. If you've already trusted Christ, but it seems like you lost the joy of Christmas this year, can I encourage you to go back? Go back and remember what it was like when you first encountered Him. Go back to what it was like when you were walking faithfully with Him. Because many times the lack of joy in our lives is simply because we're not living what we ought to live, we've been caught off track. We're pursuing the stuff. Repent of sin. Turn away from it. Believer, it always hurts you over and over again. You know that. Once this message has stirred your heart, share it with others. They need to hear this message of joy, the gospel, the good tidings of great joy. We want to ask you this morning to take time and actually think through what the shepherds experienced here, this good news. Nothing would make us more excited or thrilled this Christmas than if you don't know Christ, if you're watching this online, if you're here, that you would encounter him for the first time. We want you to know this Messiah, this king that came on our behalf. Jesus is our Savior and Lord. We want you to know Him. We want you to have that joy, that peace that passes all understanding, that's found in Christ. And as I close in prayer, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning as a celebration of what Jesus did on our behalf. The fact that He didn't just stay a baby, He grew to be a, a, a full grown man, died on a cross for our sins was buried, rose again the third day, proving that he is who he says he is. He is God himself. He is king of kings and lord of lords.